I want to I share with you, uh, I had a very traumatic experience this week. Uh, Monday morning, I got up ready for the day, and, and I, I chose one of my favorite shirts. Uh, it's a shirt that you actually cannot buy in the United States. It's made in South Africa. I bought it in South Africa when Pam and I were visiting our daughter about five years ago. It's one of my favorite shirts. It's one of those shirts that... You, you, you break in, and it's just comfortable, and it's just, you're just at home in that shirt, and you just feel relaxed in the shirt. So I had that shirt on, and I got to spend the day with Pam. It was a great day because I was with my best friend in my favorite shirt, and you just can't top that. And we had Mexican food, so there, it, 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 it was just great. So we're winding down the day, and Pam came in, and she had that look in her eye. I love that look in her eye. It's that look that says, I'm about to kiss you. It's that little sparkle in her eye and that aggressive move, and it's just, it's just so welcome. And so, so she was heading towards me, because we, honestly, we like to make out, and in fact, we used to embarrass our kids, so <laughs> we still do. So she moved in close, and in fact, this was going to be so passionate, she reached out and grabbed the lapels of my shirt to pull me in close to her, and I thought, this is going to be so good. Then all of a sudden, without kissing me, she took the lapels of my shirt and began to pull. The first button popped off, and at that moment, everything went into slow motion. The button began to flip and hit the floor and bounced. I actually thought to myself, she thinks this shirt has snaps. I don't own a Western shirt. What's wrong with her? Certainly, she'll recognize the fact and stop. She kept pulling. Buttons were torn from their place. Shirt shrapnel flew through the air. Threads screamed in terror. And all the time, she just kept looking at me with great love and a smile on her face, and she ripped it all the way down. I was in shock. She then said to me, still with a smile on her face and love in her eyes, I hate that shirt. She says, it's old, it's tattered, and it's yellowing. You're no longer going to be able to choose that shirt. And by the way, I love you. And she giggled and walked off. I want to propose to you this morning that love will rescue us from bad choices. You know, we've been studying a letter from the first century written by James, the bishop of Jerusalem, the brother of Jesus, written to followers of Jesus scattered throughout the eastern Mediterranean. They're there because of intense persecution, but to their horror, they discover when they arrive that the persecution is there also. James writes to them to encourage them and instruct them how to continue to follow the teachings of Jesus, even in that circumstance, in that situation. 
And so we've been looking at his words, and he, he says to them, and he talks to them about encountering painful challenges and intense temptation, how they need to fight wanting to be angry or prejudice, how to stop being judgmental and verbally abusive, not to be arrogant and jealous, not to plan life without God's direction. He talks to them about harassing the poor and being too busy or too skeptical to pray. And then when you think he's done, he says, oh, and just one more thing. All of us mess up. All of us get off track in the life that God has really designed for us. And so then he writes these words as he ends his letter. James 5.19 says this. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, we'll stop there for a moment. He says, I want you to know that if somebody wanders, now I want you to understand that word wander. And I don't know if the computer's working this morning. We may have a problem, but can you give me that picture up here? Do you guys have it? No. Okay. I want you to picture, because the root of this word is the word planet. The planet, it's a planet that, that will be revolving in an orbit. And he said, the problem is this, that this planet, you, the one that you're concerned about, has begun to orbit in a wrong direction, has gotten off track. It is not orbiting as it should. And he said, that orbit is the truth. And he's not orbiting in the truth. And in this context, the truth is what Jesus says we should be and how we should act. And he said, there are folks who are traveling outside that truth. And he said, here's my expectation. They need to be rescued and somebody's got to go do it. One of my favorite stories is the story of a, of a salesperson who is a guy who's doing cold calls and so on the phone. So he calls a house and this voice answers it and he can recognize it as a child's voice and the child's kind of whispering. And he says, hi, who's this? He said, this is Jawed. Well, Jared... How are you? I'm fine. Is your dad home? Yes. Can I talk to him? No. Well, why not? He's busy. Is there anybody else there? Yes. Who else is there? My mama. Can I talk to your mama? No. Why? She's busy. Well, is there anybody else there? Yes. Well, who's there? The policeman? Well, can I speak to the policeman? No. Why? He's busy. Was there anybody else there? Yes. Well, who is it? The fireman? Oh, can I speak to the fireman? No. Why? He's busy. Jared, what are they busy doing? Looking for me? <laughs> when somebody we love wanders off. We call a rescue party. But what if that person doesn't even know they're lost? What if they don't know they're wandering? James says, let me give you the context of the remarks I'm about to give to you. And James is going to help us understand that rescue only works in trusted community. 
See, if, if I'd have been at Starbucks this week, and the guy in front of me gets his latte, and, and I get my iced green tea, and we don't know each other, but I, I say hi, and he says hi. He says, hey, wait a minute. Will, will you hold my latte for a moment? And I hand him my latte, and then he reaches over and rips my shirt off. I can guarantee you that he'd be wearing the latte the rest of the day. True rescue is welcomed only when the rescuer is trusted. And when James says love covers not only the sin, he also wants us to know that love covers the operation of the rescue. Paul gives insight into that when he writes to the church in Galatia, and he says this, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. What word is that? Gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this day, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So here's the situation. If I know someone who is wandering from the truth, how do I feel good enough about that, that I have the credentials to actually confront them about their issues? It's this, that shared life authenticates confrontation. I wish that this teaching this morning was not in this setting. I wish we were sitting around your table and a bunch of us were together and we just finished a meal and we pushed back and it was just this intimate setting. I wish we had just been watching a football game and it's halftime and we're just sitting back and we're at the couch and we could start talking about this issue. Because this whole thing of rescue needs to take place in community. And community is characterized by this. It's characterized by people who share life. It's characterized by us knowing each other's histories. We've had time to talk about our past. We talk about where we've come from. We know each other. We have to have time for affirmation. Where we've spent enough time with each other that we encourage each other in the path we're walking in life. We need to be able to have life experience together. As we're talking about Servere, that's one of those great times you get to be with people and you work together and you have a shared life experience and you're talking with each other and you begin to understand each other. This thing we do here on Sunday morning, even in the five-minute greeting, that's, that's the beginning of a connection, but a connection doesn't happen without sharing life. We need to be able to know each other's dreams and disappointments. That's why James says, brothers, sisters, it's a term of closeness. That's what Pam and I love about our small group. We love hanging with these guys. When we get together, there's just this continual sharing, and, and we've shared life together, and we've shared our, our, our passions for life and our disappointments in life. And I've got to tell you, I trust these people. I trust them with my life. I trust them with my family. I trust them with my well-being. I'm such a, a better man because of them. I'm, I'm so enriched because of what they bring into my life. Another word for that is covenant. And let me give you a working definition of the word covenant, and it's simply this. If it matters to you, it matters to me. And that takes time. That takes commitment. Let 
So it means spending less time looking at our smartphones and looking more into each other's faces. Do you get caught up in that? You're with people and suddenly look down and all four of you are on your phones? I don't want to sound old, but, you know, we didn't used to have those things, and we actually had to talk to each other. So all, all the older folks go, yeah. That's only because you don't know how to use a smartphone. <laughs> Do you know that texting and Facebook is not covenant? God didn't text us, and he didn't like us on Facebook. He showed up in person and loved us straight in the eyes. Love is in person. And if we can't love in person, then we can't rescue in person. Listen to one guy's description of what happened to him when he got off track, when, when he left the orbit that he was supposed to be in. They asked him, how did, how did that make you feel? He said, I felt like I was in deep water and I was struggling, and I felt like my friends were standing on the shore yelling out Bible verses to me. Things about judgment and condemnation. And then he said, there was this one brother who actually swam out to get me. He would not let me go. I fought him. He pushed aside my fighting. He grasped me. He put a life jacket around me, and he took me to shore. By the grace of God, he was the reason I was restored. He would not let me go. That's sharing life. Inherent within sharing life is this word that James used. It's the word gentle. And if I had to define it, I'd say gentleness is simply takes one to know one. If you get to the root of the word gentle, you find the word humility. In fact, James says, it's what, or Paul says, is what characterizes a spiritual person. You who are spiritual. When he talks about spiritual, he's not talking about those who are prophetically on the edge or those who speak in tongues or those who perform miracles or those who have that spiritual voice. It's the person who's humble. He said, that's the person who's spiritual. And humility is this. It's when we see somebody struggling and we know they need to be rescued, and as we are approaching them, we understand that we may someday have those same issues. Or we have our own issues nobody else knows about. Because quite frankly, I think if you're perfect, you'd be with Jesus now. And so as we approach, we understand. I understand what you're going through. I feel the shame at times. I feel the disappointment. Because if brokenness is not authentic, neither will the rescue. So now I've got to confess to you that right after Pam ripped my shirt, I walked into her closet. I said, which blouse don't I like? She said, you can't do that. No, I didn't do that. Not yet. No, I didn't do that because I knew what she had just done was in love, and secondly, the shirt was getting yellow, and it just... And she was right. Jesus said it this way. He said, before you go, and, and I want you to, I want you to get the speck out of that person's eye, you better take care of the telephone pole in yours. 
which doesn't mean when you're perfect, go help other people. It means you've acknowledged it, and Jesus is working with you on it, and other people may be helping you with it, but now you've got to go help somebody else because we're all in the process of being perfected. And it won't happen until we see Jesus. The eye is sensitive. You know that. So we can't go to someone else and, and try to take the speck out with an ice cream scoop. Here, I'll get that. It's got to be gentle. It's got to be a gentle washing by listening and spending time together, sharing life and not letting go. This whole thing is a journey. It's not a checklist. And if I'm dealing with your imperfections while I understand my imperfections, I understand this, that the rescue is not perfection. It's not one, two, three, ta-da, we're done. So here's the issue. If, if, if I'm deviating from the orbit, and if you come to me with arrogance or a sense of holiness or piety or perfection, I will fight you. And the chances are, if you come to me even in humility, I still may fight you. Because the issue is this, that generally those who have followed Jesus and began to detour off have done it by degrees. They don't even know how far they've drifted. It's just been slowly, a little at a time, and a little at a time, and they didn't even know they had reached that place. So I'm telling you, rescuing is hard work. It's not for the faint of heart. I want to show you a picture of bagels of border collie. So Bagels and, and Joe right next to her live up by Vancouver, B.C., and one of the favorite things he does with Bagels is he goes out uh, to, the, to the beach there and he throws sticks into the water and Bagels swims out, gets the stick, and comes back in. One day, Bagels got a hold of something a little bit too big for her. She got a hold of a five-foot branch. And the current began to take her out, no matter how hard she struggled. And she was so determined she would not let go of the branch. Finally, Joe realized that Bagels is in trouble, so he, he jumped in the water and started after her, and he was passed by that black Labrador. The Labrador swam past him, swam over to Bagels, grabbed the other end of the stick, and hauled them both in. I don't think that the black Labrador sat on the beach and said, look at that stupid border collie. Let go of the branch. Just let go of the branch. What are you, stupid? Let go of the branch. The dog won't let go of the branch. What kind of dog is it? It's a dumb dog. Won't let go of the branch. Oh, she'll get what she deserves. Instead, he dove in without condemnation. And when he arrived, he didn't say to the border collie, let go of the branch, I'll take you in. Let go of the branch, I'll take you in. Let go of the branch, I'll take you in. He grabbed a hold of her and the branch and brought them both back to safety. Now, here's the issue. Paul said at the end of that verse, if you think you're too good to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. So no condemning. Get out there and rescue. And when he said bear one another's burdens, it simply is this. Most of the time when you try to rescue someone, you're going to have to haul them and the branch back to safety. 
you got to get him back to safety, to the shore, to the community of faith, which means all the junk that they grabbed hold of that made them drift, they still have with them. And you can't stand out in the middle and say, I'm not taking you back to the community of faith until you let go. You can't do that because they won't let go. You bring them back with the branch, and you take care of it here in the safety of the community with gentleness, with the washing of the word, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and the healing of great love. You know, I used to think that when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, it was this deal where I'd feel a lot of pain because I had to get rid of the stuff that didn't make me holy and I didn't want to get rid of it and so I have to take up my cross and do that thing. But I've been refocusing on the cross lately and I began thinking about why did Jesus go to the cross? He didn't go to get holy. He already was. He went to rescue no matter what the cost was. And so I think James is saying to us, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to open up every facet of your life. You've got to give him access to every piece of you so that he can change your thinking. And as he does, you'll think like he thinks. And what Jesus thinks about all the time is simply this, loving God and rescuing people. That's why James reminds us, the remainder of that verse, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That's how the community of faith operates. That's what I found out with Pam. Love is about the kiss and the rip. They're both there. We in the community of faith are more than good feelings. We're also about great rescues. So when Pam and I lived in Oregon, we had some friends. His name was Patrick and hers was Scotty, and they were married, and they were doing horrible in their marriage. And we were trying to help them, and they were just messing up, and they weren't listening, and they got... They got out of orbit. One day, Scotty called me and said, Pat's leaving me. He headed for the Portland airport. And God said to me, go get him. Yeah, but I got a lot to do. No, you go get him. Chase him down. So I told my secretary, I'm out of here. And I went to the Portland airport. Now, this was before 9-11. So when he showed up at the gate to get on his plane, I was sitting there. He said, what are you doing? You're on my plane? I said, no. I come to get you. What? Did I talk to Scotty? Oh. And so I proceeded to talk to him about how he was destroying his life, his relationship with Jesus, and his marriage. He said, man, I got to go. I want you to know for the next couple of years, the community of faith began a rescue operation. Because in those two years, Scotty divorced Patrick. Patrick moved down to Sacramento and fell in love with another woman. And Scotty began dating somebody else. And I want to tell you that rescue has no distance. It doesn't stop because they moved outside the city limits. So we kept after him. Something began to happen to him, and God was answering our prayers, and he began to get back in orbit. And he called me one day. He said, you know, I love so-and-so. He said, but I was praying the other day, and God told me that I can't have her, that I need to wait for Scotty. I said, well, then that's what you got to do. Let me give the end of the story. About three years later, I got to stand up with Patrick and Scotty as they renewed their vows and were remarried. And, and I want to say to you that it's obviously because God brought a healing, but it's also because a whole bunch of people went on a rescue mission. 
we got to see the death of a marriage and a life reversed. We got to see a bunch of sins covered by Jesus. And that's what happens in the community of faith. That's what Jesus expects of us. So bottom line is there are going to be times when our friends are wearing a life that is broken in and it's comfortable and it's home for them, but it's destroying their life with Jesus. And then we're going to have to go confront. You say, well, the Scripture says don't judge or you'll be judged. No, get it in context. It means understand the log in your eye, but don't stop going to rescue someone else and get that thing out of their eye too. You got to do it. We have to go to them in the spirit of gentle love, and we have to kiss, and we have to rip, and they may, they may rip back. But that's okay. We still hang on with love because here's the deal. We were fit for the cross. And that simply means that as Jesus did, we do also, which is we will rescue no matter the cost. And it takes hard work, and that's why we're cross-fit. Because we're strong enough to rescue. We're strong enough to deal with the abuse that may come back. We're strong enough to hold on even when they panic. We're strong enough to turn them from a deadly track and cover a multitude of sins. It's what we do. As followers of Jesus, it's what we do. It's what he expects. So my challenge for us today and my question to us today is, who needs rescue? Somebody needs rescue. So right where you're seated, I just, I just want you to focus. In fact, just do this. Just shut your eyes for a moment. And I just want you to picture your friends. Who needs rescue? Who has become part of your family and, and, and part of your community and, and they're struggling and you, just, you need to go spend time with them? It doesn't go, mean to go condemn them. It means go out, swim, and be with them and, and help move them back. And they may come back with all the junk they still have, but that's okay because this is not a place of perfection. This is a place of God's healing. And we cannot say we don't have time. That's why we're here. So now as you think this through, may God open your eyes to the pain of those around you. May his love bring into you an unselfishness that will change your calendar and your resources so that you can rescue those around you and May you have the wisdom to move closer into community and share life with those around you. And in doing so, we will stop the deadly attack on others and love will cover a multitude of sins. May you find his blessing on you today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand?
I ended about 10 minutes early. So keep that in my average for the future. So you got time to talk to more people around you. You got time to talk about histories. It would be a great thing if you'd find some folks around you and just say, hey, tell me about how you grew up. And just find out a little bit about them before you get out of here. In fact, they may even say to you, you want to go to lunch with me? And if they don't, just ask them. Have a great day. God bless you. See you next Sunday.